a Radio 1 91FM podcast. From slinging breakfast on Radio 1 to being the mayor who gets it done, it's time for our fortnightly catch-up with Dunedin's mayor, we're Squawking with Hawkins. Kia ora and morena. On the phone right now, I have the one, the only, the mayor of this city. Um, how are we, Mr Hawkins? Or rather, your lordship. Oh, uh, no need for formalities. I'm, I'm very good, thank you, Raph. How are you? Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. It's, it's I, f- I feel very weird doing the role that you used to do, because um, I feel like that hopefully doesn't set up the expectation that one day I will be mayor or that Jamie will be mayor, because that's just a pretty unfair trajectory. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't possibly comment, but uh, I promise I won't judge your performance. Oh, wonderful! Publicly. Great. Publicly, I was going to say inside, it's just <laughs> so much feedback that I'll never hear. Um, well, let's just uh, I guess jump right into it then. Um, I see in your pre-draft budget you wrote to reduce bus fares over the 2020 to the 2021 period but only after receiving submissions from 79 people give me the odds that all of those people were you ddosing the dcc submission page so the bus that you are currently on will be a little bit cheaper uh what are the odds of what sorry (laughs) sorry um what are the odds that all the 79 submissions were you so that the bus that you're currently (laughs) taking would be slightly cheaper Oh come now, come now! Not even one of them was me. Um, yeah, we so we asked specifically last year during our budget process, asked the community whether they would support the city council uh, subsidising buses to make it cheaper. Currently, it's run by the regional council, and the steer we got was that they were supportive of us doing that. So uh, this year in the budget, we've allowed for um, what's well, it's, it's going to run as an unbudgeted expense because we don't know how much it will cost, but mm. uh, capped at six hundred k to make uh, buses cheaper uh, around the city and there'll be a report coming to our uh, meeting in May looking at what those options would look like in terms of what the fares will cost uh, under that model but I think it's uh, I think it's pretty exciting yeah not just for us uh, bus commuters in the <laughs> outlying townships uh, but for people right across the city who currently um, are struggling to uh, experience all of what the city has to offer because transport is a burden uh, to say nothing of our ambition to support more people out of their cars uh, to meet our zero carbon commitment I was going to say you got to you know it's all it's all it's all small steps towards a greater goal I respect that big picture Aaron big picture um, so okay the Octagon experience can you mm. give me a personal rating of your experience with the Octagon experience out of 10 uh, well, I think the Octagon experience has been exactly as I would have anticipated it, it was going to be. Uh, some people have loved it, and some people have hated it, mm. and both of those things are valid. And there have been you know, things that have worked really well and things that have been difficult, um, as you would expect, and we're collecting both uh, opinion and data uh, all the way through. So that's, you know, this is the nature of a trial, is testing things and seeing what works and what doesn't. Um, so that when we go on to have, uh, and it's important to note that currently in the 10-year plan, there's uh, nothing for permanent work in the octagon. Mm. Uh, so this isn't uh, anything that's going to happen anytime soon, but what it does is inform our decisions and discussions about how do you balance uh, the various competing uh, factors in your city centre, you know, public amenity, uh, people's social well-being, uh, what's good for business in that area, uh, pedestrian safety, vehicle safety, all of those things, and there are trade-offs between them, I acknowledge, uh, but until you start trying different things and seeing what works and what doesn't, um, 
it's hard to make uh, longer term decisions and and uh, I mean I'm not going to back down from the fact that I and the council um, support <laughs> a, a shift towards more people friendly spaces uh, the the real discussion is you know what that looks like and how it functions uh, in the in the wider uh, in the wider urban context but hmm. no, I think it's been good I mean you know and I, for, for every person who's had difficulty accessing um, you know, particularly people with mobility issues, like knowledge, have had some issues accessing some buildings. Mm. But then at the same time, we have parents coming up to us and saying, thank you for letting me have lunch in the Octagon with my small child without fear of them running onto the road and getting mowed down. Yes. So you know, there, there, are, uh, there are pros and cons as with anything, but you know, I, I wouldn't have expected a, a response any different to the one that we've got. No, that's fair enough. And that is a very real fear, I have to admit. Um, I guess then the only other question that sort of begs from that is, is have you bought a glass of just straight milk from that moustache caravan? <laughs> no, no, I have had, I have had the, the cookies from there. Oh, yeah? Uh, I, I feel like the, the ridiculous late-night novelty shake flavours mm. are a bit of a stretch for the middle of the day. <laughs> um, but it is, you know, it, it, as, as much as I support taking uh, buses out of the city centre, <laughs> uh, that, 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 that's one vintage vehicle that has been a welcome sight over the last few weeks. Indeed. Sure. No, I do, I do respect that. And I'm glad that there's all this you know, data gathering to decide whether or not it's appropriate in the future to pedestrianise or not to pedestrianise. And that leads me on, of course, to my next question, which is, the government has announced greater infrastructural changes to facilitate the growing amount of electric cars in New Zealand. Do you think your speech at convocation was better than Harleen Haynes? <laughs> Uh, we we had very different speeches for very different purposes, uh, but but as I said on on Monday night, you know the the thousands of attendants have uh, weeks and months and years of lectures ahead of them, and I wasn't prepared to add to that tally. But all I was there to do was to um, welcome people on behalf of the city to uh, to their new home. And I'll tell you what, though, it was it's not often uh, in in full regalia that I don't feel out of place. Uh, but sitting there with the top brass of the university, uh, finally the, the colonial trapping of the mayoralty felt right at home. So that was uh, that was comforting. But uh, you know, it's a, it's a great opportunity for for the for the for the university and the, uh, and the city to uh, to welcome our our new students. And it was a pleasure to take part in that. That's fair. That is fair. That is fair. Did you feel any competition with the young Jack Manning, being an old relic of the OUSA institution yourself? Well, the advantage of going first in the batting order ah, is that it doesn't matter. True. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, after, had I had to go after President Manning and Vice-Chancellor Professor Harleen Hayne with their pages of double-spaced typed-up notes <laughs> uh, with my two scrawled A5s, Ooh, uh, five, you know, I, would, I, I would have perhaps felt a little inadequate, but thankfully I didn't have to worry about it. <laughs> I like it. I mean, you set the standard clearly. I respect that. I mean, perhaps they would feeling self-conscious about their A4, seeing your A5, think, oh, he's so efficient with his note-taking. He just scribbled some notes down. Yeah, exactly. I was like, well, yeah, that's yeah. kind of generally how these things yeah. work. He's so confident. How can he just get up the stage with nothing prepared and just wing it like that? That's amazing. <laughs> My joke, hey, look, you just need a joke about bedding, and uh, the rest of it just carries itself. Perhaps single-ply toilet paper. That's always the one that seems to get brought up. Ah, uh, university one-ply. Uh, yeah. I love it, a one-ply. Christ. Don't miss that. 
Yeah, agreed. Um, so I guess this this is a question that I personally have for you though, um, because I've been talking to some friends about how things, you know, how how it's important to not be futilist in life. Um, but if you could change one aspect of the legislative process at council level, like one way, one little thing that would mean that you could get stuff through faster or there would be slightly less bureaucracy or you wouldn't have to go through four offices to get something done, what would you change, genuinely? Um, if anything, I think we need to involve people more in the decision-making. I think the, the biggest challenge we have in making sure that we make good decisions on behalf of our community is, is the fact that a lot of people aren't involved, don't have the capacity to be involved. Mm. You know, when, when people are worrying about whether they can afford to pay rent or buy food, you know, we're not surprised that they don't have the oxygen or the capacity to turn up at annual plan meetings to lobby the council on behalf of things that are important to them. Uh, so I, I think if I was to change one thing at a macro level, things that are beyond our control, it mm. would be that, you know, everyone in our community was, um, you know, had enough money and was well supported enough to be able to have the space to be more active in the work that we do because you know we need to um we need their input because otherwise you're not making decisions on on behalf of your community as a whole no i agree actually i think i'm very glad also that was that was, that was a very good answer around well done well done um, <laughs> um i have to ask then again uh, i didn't see you uh in your own little aaron hawkins tent at the tent city um, so, considering you weren't there to represent yourself, I have to ask then, um, take two on your convocation speech, um, what would you say to all the kids out there listening, probably a bit dusty from going to toga party last night, you know, or, yeah. sh you know, sh struggling to get up in the morning, what would you say to them now, now that we're on, you know, a more, I think you can be perhaps a little cheekier on this platform, I would say, I mean, you would know, so what would you say to everyone listening out there right now who's a fresher and struggling? Um, I think, you know, this week's a marathon and not a sprint. And uh, if you're going to take drugs and go out dancing, you should probably get it checked up to know what it is so that you know what you're up to. Agreed. Uh, and, and know what you're in for. Uh, and, you know, be careful of what you sign up for at Clubs Day today. Um, <laughs> I joined the mailing list for the International Socialists on my first day at university and spent the best part of my undergrad career trying to remove myself from that list. <laughs> So uh, be careful. <laughs> oh, God, it's dangerous. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, I mean, as much as I implore people to take up all of these extracurricular activities that are available to you, uh, it was probably, if I'm honest, it was probably my third year at university before I realised the actual point of being there was um, learning as opposed to progressing. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, I would encourage people to you know, do the extra reading and all those other nerdy things that your dad or your lecturers might tell ah, you yes. but you'll probably ignore but uh, upon reflection years later we'll um, rue ignoring the mayor's advice on that occasion but um, that, that's oh, what I would suggest that one time I heard him on the air he told me to do my readings and I didn't do my readings oh far out okay alright I haven't jumped on the bus exactly um, I have one little extra tidbit that I have you know been been saving for the very end of this one so alright Imagine, if you will, you're a student. You're walking through Clubs Day and you've got a lovely wee line. And in that Clubs Day, you see perhaps a few clubs you're interested in. And you walk past and they're, oh, is that is that the ACT Party Club? Oh, interesting. And you see a young Mr. David Seymour uh, sat at his stool, sort of watching you. Um, what is your immediate reaction to his presence? Do you, do, you, do you hug him? Do you kiss him? Or do you walk past? 
What is my response to David Seymour if I see him at club day? I mean, but imagine if you will, you're an 18-year-old, you're impressionable. Perhaps you don't realise that neoliberalism is slowly destroying our society. And you want to give him a little kiss, you want to give him a little hug. Do you kiss, do you hug, or do you walk past? It's a real question, Mr Hawkins, please. Imagine imagine having the luxury of being a libertarian. I know, Um, right? uh, I would would walk on by as the song goes. That would be my advice. Fair enough. I I wouldn't expect anything else from you. Well, it's been a, it's been it's been a pleasure um, to talk to you today. Um, I'm ex breakfast host, and of course now Mayor Aaron Hawkins. Um, have a wonderful day, and, and talk to you in two weeks' time. Probably be Jamie, not me. Um, but can, do you have any song requests before you go? Ooh, uh, can you play a song by Matthew Deer? I can indeed. I will load that up very soon. Right now, it is Castle by Encouragement. Have a lovely day, Mr. Hawkins. Thanks, Ray. Always. That was a Radio 1 91 FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.